1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: Welcome to Goalie Science, presented by Resilient Hockey, your premier hockey rehabilitation providers, and that is our new intro. Welcome. I'm Ben
1: Cernick, as always, I'm here with Jamie Phillips. Jamie Phillips, uh, yeah, new little rebrand, Uh, as Ben likes to point out, king of rebrands. I've rebranded my businesses many, many times, but... Yeah, we uh, we we had talked, and we had even we'd heard from John, which we hadn't heard from John, who's for those that don't know, is our partner at Resilient. He's uh, a doctor of physical therapy, and we talked about it uh, rebranding. And since a lot of our topics are really only goalies, actually, not a lot, almost all of our topics are only goalies, and we are science people, uh, goalie science, so we can actually talk about things with evidence, um, a little bit of opinion but hopefully most evidence. I was going to say, like when you said with evidence, I was, I was really excited.
2: I was like, is there like a, a multitude of new evidence that I don't know about?
1: No, it's not really. I mean, our topic today, we're going to, is a little bit, there's no hard and fast evidence on goalies. So a lot of it will be speculation and drawing from other, other positions. But I, I did pull up a few studies um, that I guess, well, studies are studies and we can, better to have some that have none ultimately so um off season's coming up and um that means ben and i are in our push for the anti-goalie specific training uh movement and we can get into that uh another time but i had uh, a parent reach out to me because i post on instagram just some pictures of some very, very uh, muscular uh, gymnasts, muscular sprinters, huh. and, you know, doing the full splits, some incredible shoulder range of motion. Sprinters were doing, you know, this like in crazy force uh, hurdling, which requires in- immense flexibility under high speeds. And the, the purpose of those pictures was just to show that mus- you can have muscle and be strong and still be flexible, and still be able to move, and still be athletic. And so uh, I, I spoke to a parent, and they had asked that at what degree is there too much muscle, or too much, and that brought me into the thing where it's too much weight. And so I want to preface with, whenever we think of too much muscle, what's the first thing that comes to our mind? It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Easily, easily no, like I think it's it just body. bodybuilding. Right? Yeah, just like bodybuilding. And one that's just the most... It's so unrealistic. to You just you can't develop that muscle naturally, and I mean Ben knows I'm very I'm very pro PEDs. So that's another conversation. I'm very pro PEDs. So from the hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's be an explicit caveat. If you are playing a sport, oh
2: yeah, if you're a drug cat Drug oh, tested. Yeah, don't do that. No, don't do. Don't listen to Jamie. But if you're not, if you're someone who, if you're someone who really wants to to push yourself to the your like highest physiology and you're not in the drug tested thing and you have a rigorous team of doctors supporting you there's potentially a discussion for that but I don't want to yeah. I don't want you just throw implied statements
1: here oh don't no, lump me in de- don't in the group yeah you're true i that's why i said i am and not it's not like every olympic athlete ever is ever no one has ever taken it no one is dr- there's no drugs in sports. <laughs> <laughs> anyways that's another topic for another day but the 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 ability to put on muscle mass like that is, is an incre- it's just impossible naturally. And two, we can get into it, is just like the said principle specific adaptation to oppose demands. So your body is going to find the the sweet spot to where it operates the best. And so that's what we do in training when we say it's okay to add muscle, it's okay to add to be strong, because those are physical attributes that help the game. And when you go under the ice your body is going to take those adaptations and use them in the best possible way and so this conversation where i talked to ben and i said when is it when is there too much i'm going to say this for mass and mass is going to include muscle mass and fat mass so we're talking essentially when is a goal what is it what is a goalie above a weight that is an unhealthy playing weight for both performance and for injury. And this one, we're not going to give we're not giving specific body fat recommendations or anything like that. Of course if you, you know, if you want those things, you know, there are a lot of experts out there uh to work with. I know, you know, one thing I do is I help a lot of athletes improve body composition. But we're gonna take a little bit of the research in terms of body composition and injury incidents in, in hockey players. That has been done, especially in collegiate hockey players. And talk about it so so ben with that topic right off the bat like what are your initial initial thoughts and then gathering from the evidence the studies you've looked at like like what do you see when it comes to being heavy whether that's both muscle or fat
2: yeah i think like the the thing then jamie i'm gonna hit you with something that you said last week it depends um right off the bat i think one of the biggest misconceptions you already talked about is this idea that like being really muscular requires you to be really heavy, or requires you to be physically extremely large or slow. If anyone, yeah, or slow. Yeah, that's a, that's a good thing too. But I think if anyone has ever watched, participated, or are even just aware of different weight class sports, things like wrestling, weightlifting, uh, I guess even to some degree, you know, mixed martial arts, just generally, there is people who are extremely 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 strong fast and agile who are able to get stronger faster quicker without leaving the weight class they existed so i think one of the biggest misunderstandings is that a lot of getting stronger in general and is 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 neurological so this idea that your body just becomes better at producing force and therefore you're stronger so that's one of my first caveats i like to always throw in this discussion is that excuse me when you're dealing with this sort of topic, when you are talking about body composition, getting stronger, and changes that might make to your body composition, a lot of um, strength gains don't necessarily lead to lead to putting on a ton of body mass, mm. uh, especially if you're just not eating enough to put on said body mass, which is something
1: I, think, I know that yeah. you talk about a lot, Jamie. Yeah, it's just the pe <laughs> people really overestimate how easy it is to add muscle. Yes, some people will add it on easier. And obviously if you're going through puberty it's going to be a lot easier than if you're you know you're 30 and or if you're 40 or 50 but you have to eat so much food you have to lift so incredibly heavy and if you're training you know i guess this is a broad thing we trained like an athlete so running biometrics and things and not strictly doing hypertrophy training you're not going to add excessive amounts of muscle mass and so it's a When I, when I made that, which, which post that I make, I I made a post about like training like an athlete, not training like a goalie and someone who was part of team, whatever, I'm not going to name it said, so you're telling me that if I just train CrossFit and train like a bodybuilder and go to yoga and go practice, that's all I need. And so essentially I was just like, yeah, man, don't forget to do some lateral movement. Because he said, he's like, well, those, they only train in one plane. I'm like, yeah, don't, I've never said don't train in one plane. You can do, you can lift weights. Like CrossFit is awesome, man. Like like CrossFit's a really good way to improve a lot of physical things. Just, he's, obviously, if you go just go to classes randomly, there's no structure to it. And that's not ideal. But the movements, there's nothing wrong with them. And just because we like to what? squat. Doesn't mean you can't do a lateral lunge or you can't do a 45 degree bound. No one's saying that you can't do these things. It's it's so ridiculous that this happens. Well, I think also like, I mean,
2: I feel like we were over people should be over this at this point. Oh. They're not. I was like anyone that yeah, I mean, like, well, <laughs> I was worried to say, like, over this in terms of even the things like CrossFit, where it's like, CrossFit is not the perfect solution for an athlete who wants to get like who a, a completely serious athlete I'm finding that's not the best choice but it's yeah. also not a bad option just to do something right like there's a misunderstanding around like if if you people as ideas of CrossFit is just like gymnastic movements that look bad and weightlifting that looks bad right yeah. that's like that's what people associate with the word CrossFit I've worked at a bunch of CrossFit gyms in the weightlifting side of things um, a lot of the time the programming is pretty good mm-hmm. right like a lot of times it's just, it's a strength you do a strength component, you do something. So just like, it's just, it's just silly. If you really break down, um, what's being done, you gotta remember, this is the same, this is the same people who take things like anti-rotational core movements too seriously. As if that is the, that is the unlocking key to, to being a super
1: athlete. It's oh. like, oh yeah, you should never do very same. specific. Oh, that the, you yeah. never should. Oh, you, then what's the point of our rectus abdominis? You mean it doesn't flex the spot? No, can't, can't do it. Can't do no. it yeah so so in that discussion i always kind of just i
2: just tune out immediately now i don't really have time and energy for it i think there's a lot of ways you can train and get better i think you yeah. can never back squat if you don't want to back squat i think you can never bulgarian split squat if you don't want bulgarian split squat like it's, it's you can you just don't have to yeah. do stuff there's a lot of options but that's not what we're talking about today we're talking that's about true. body composition we're talking about bringing science to it luckily for us there's a few papers that have looked at body composition in hockey bad news for us a lot of the time they just exclude the
1: goalies right away (laughs) it's just so Um. much easier to exclude (laughs) the goalies i love i love what i read read the limitations and it's like we did not consider we we did not include goalies we we didn't we just we kicked them right out
2: yeah so a little (laughs) bit of a a glimpse behind the curtain for why people might not know about this but a lot of hockey research excludes goalies for two reasons one The first reason is that when we talk about doing research with humans, one of the conditions a lot of the time is this idea of anonymity for participants and respecting people's privacy, especially if there's health details involved. And a lot of times, because a team only has two or three goalies, they can be identified by their participation. Um, like specific information about them and some universities really don't like that when you're doing research they don't want people to know what position that is that's something they do so that if you see goalies are excluded sometimes it's because the researchers were literally not allowed to include them so let's not blame the researchers there but on the second hand this is where i'll blame the researchers sometimes goalies are excluded just because there's not nearly as many of them and when mm-hmm. you're doing research you need enough people uh, in order to to actually gain any information from something, and so if you're doing a study, and a lot of these studies do really only work with one or two teams as their participant group, uh, if you only have four goalies, it's it's just not enough people to to make any claims on. So they say eh, we're not even going to use the goalies; they're kind of different anyway. So, as always, unsurprisingly, um, when looking at the hockey research in this category, we see the same thing: there's no goalie mm. involvement. So. We're stuck trying to understand uh, if there might be something that is going on with body composition and performance in ice hockey, body composition and injury, um, injury prevention, injury risk reduction, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, and the one thing I'm going to say is as much as we have a little bit of information, we don't have a lot of answers here either. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, like, for example, there's a there's a good study from 2018 that looked at 37 Canadian university ice hockey players. Now, as someone who played Canadian university ice hockey, um, I can tell you that you have a full range of athletes at that level where you have people who are in incredible shape um, and who are still training really hard and still want to play professionally or be serious with their career. And then you have guys who are not. So depending on who's involved in this study, you might see uh, kind of an interesting selection pool. Mm. And what this study did find is that there's just like a large range of different body types we see in hospital, like in this study, thirty-seven people. The body fat percentage range was between like basically ten and twenty-seven percent. That yeah. is massive, massive range there. Um, and but that's not all too surprisingly, right? You, you still you still hear stories of people at elite levels who may have a not super lean frame but are still really good athletes, right? Mm. Um, and I think if we start looking at some of the other those results so the study looked at body composition and and nhl fitness tests um you you're probably not going to be very surprised to find out jamie that uh if you you weighed less if you had less fat on your body you performed better with things like uh, vertical jump with pro agility tests Hmm. with long jump now the one thing I want to explain, and this is probably a little bit deep, but I really want to say this I'm a big believer in explaining science properly. In a study like this where we have thirty seven people, in a study like this where we have Canadian university hockey players, and in a study like this um where we don't have where we're we're just looking at kind of body composition and these these tests that they're just kind of throwing people into, it's not super surprising that we see these results because my first belief is yes. The person who probably has a lower body fat uh, index as well as having more lean mass probably trains more mm-hmm. probably takes it more seriously and so is is probably just physically in better shape and they might just be better at these tests again from being in better shape does it mean that being leaner uh being less body fat here makes you better at these things or is that just an explanation for someone who's actually working out versus someone who's not? And that's what I think is an important caveat. Because if you just look at this study at the superficial level, yes, the person who is in better physical shape, so less body fat, higher lean mass percentage, so um, more muscle. When we say lean mm-hmm. mass, it's, it's typically muscle, bone, and organs. But we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll mainly focus on the muscle. Um, unsurprisingly, those people did better on all these tests, on all the NHL combine tests. But that shouldn't yeah. surprise anyone.
1: What do you think, James? No. And wait, no, yeah, I was just gonna say you actually took the point that I wanted to say right out of my mouth. So I'm a little rattled <laughs> at that. But when we look at the studies done in like in like Division three college hockey players, professional hockey players, they're on the surface, there tends to be an association with a higher body fat or a worse body composition and injury. And likewise there seems to be a correlation with improved body composition or higher lean body mass in terms of less likelihood of injury. Now is that saying that if you are lean and shredded and sub 15% body fat, you're going to be safe? No. Like you said, it, it probably, keyword here, probably means those with a more improved body composition are, whether their diet, their training, their recovery, when their natural genetics are just a little, they're taking it a little bit more seriously. And so if someone is taking a little bit more seriously, say they're training harder, they're significantly stronger, they have more muscle, we do and we can draw a possible explanation from someone that is stronger and more muscle typically is a little bit more resilient when it comes to certain things, especially say, you know, if we're looking, we don't look at goalies in, this, in these studies, but if you're taking body checks all the time, just the ability to absorb, I guess just force on the body and on your joints having more muscle and having stronger muscle is going to make you more naturally resilient than someone who doesn't have that um so and then also when you look at and a lot of these studies are taken at like um the beginning of the season fitness testing and then they track them throughout the entire season so there's so much goes on in it and again if someone with a better body composition is you know they should be able to i don't know perform better for longer at higher percentages of performance throughout a long season than someone who doesn't theoretically theoretically so because we can't draw hard and fast conclusions from these uh we're just kind of looking at the variables and piecing it together as best we can but again it's it's so look at phil Castle. like phil Castle doesn't have the greatest body composition that's not a surprise the guy has a crazy iron man streak i think he's the longest running Ironman man currently yeah i'm we also i don't I. Can, this is going to be someone fact check me
2: but apparently phil Castle also is just like at a, uh, an incredibly good lifter in the gym like apparently i've heard he's that too strong i heard i, yeah, I apparently heard that like too. apparently he just like he's like the, the last I heard of this again and someone please fact check me I'd love to actually get the real number on this but I was I heard that he was an over 400 pound squatter which is strong like super super strong
1: yeah and we and we've talked about I don't know if we've talked about it here about Instagram we talked about how you know there are some studies that take sh- squat strength into the correlation the less like the stronger heavier your squat the less likely you are to get injured and again it goes back to just being a generally a stronger better athlete probably reduces the likelihood of you getting injured although that doesn't ever make you immune to injury yeah that's like okay so i think that's a really good way of saying it i think
2: that there is not the only thing that keeps you immune from injury is not playing it's that simple right so um some of the research i do looking at training load we we talk about like load management in basketball where they just don't play people that's it's that simple right? You can't, you get hurt less if you play less. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not this magic formula of predicting injury. It's just reducing the amount of exposure to potentially be injured. But I think there's something you said that that's really, really smart, which is that the more exposure you have to different types of training, the more movements, um, the stronger you are through a wider range of motions, your body has experienced those positions before, right? Like, my favorite example of this is, like, anyone who can't do the splits, if you put someone under anesthesia, so you put someone out for, like, they would be for surgery, you can put them in the full splits, Right? Yes. So, yeah. And that's, like, kind of the, ooh, really cool fun fact. So, a lot of our body's um, apprehension to to doing certain things or inability to do certain things is our nervous system basically telling us that, you know, there's too much going on for us to handle that. So... I think that's really important is that understanding that when your body goes into positions that it doesn't want to be in, it sometimes gets unhappy, especially, you know, in a hockey setting.
1: It's it's under load too. We've talked about how, I mean, there is no evidence to support that getting injured is is a range of motion or flexibility thing. And there's limited evidence to support that it's a strength thing. But when you look at getting injured, it's typically going into range of motions under load. And your body cannot handle that load or that force. So, whether that be a GTO issue or a muscle spindle issue. And so, it's a nervous system issue rather than range of motion. Like you said, if you put someone under anesthesia and you can put them in the full splits and someone gets injured, tears their groin going to the full splits in a game, it's not because that range of motion was lacking. It's because they put the force of their body in position where those muscles cannot handle it. And so that's why we talk about training and loading the muscles through through full ranges of motions, because it's just it's better for performance. It's better for that possible injury reduction, and it makes you just an overall a better athlete.
2: It's better. Look, it's it's better to be stronger through a wide range of positions, and I think that's a fine
1: blanket statement yeah. to make. But I do want to and like. The and back. There's actually this this. So I was just to say, I was listening to another another like uh, strength podcast, and they were talking. There was a football division three football player, freshman, so eighteen years old, who just cleaned a really nice two hundred and one or two hundred two kilo clean, so over four hundred pounds, and it was very nice, Four hundred and five so, pounds, yeah, and so forty three pounds or whatever. And so they were the 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 guys had a good point where they had said they said personally, they'd probably never, ever have one of their athletes test that. And I I would agree. Maybe when you get to testing day in football, like that hype is real and you get the adrenaline, but the ability, the thing is, is the ability to do a 202 kilo clean is the most important part, not being able to do it. If you have that strength, that ultimately means that everything you have done leading up to that, has made you put you in this position of success so when he goes out in the field and he's getting absolutely crushed every single play his body has built up that strength and resilience to be able to accept four almost 450 pounds in a full squat his shoulders his torso his core had accepted that just like when we go out as goalies you know if we are strong and say we can do a, you know a two a 220, pound bulgarian split squat for eight like when we go out and play and we catch our edges under full speed where our body has that ability to to absorb that eccentric force and be able to push across and if someone not saying if you you have to do that that's the benchmark but if that ability to do that puts you at a better position than someone who doesn't have that ability and that's what we emphasize so much with strength training. But we got track here. So I'm going to I'm gonna bring it back here. So I apologize. So I have only ever had one goalie who's been overly muscled and his dad played in the CFL and he is just naturally a muscular guy. So I, I've had athletes that have been over, like had not the greatest body composition, even improved it. So when we look at goalies, this is a 100% hypothesis from the top of my brain. We have no evidence to support it. But we talk about being a goalie and how it's not a great position for our hips and knees, especially our hips with that massive internal rotation and repetitive force. When force is mass times acceleration. So the extra mass, yeah, maths up. So the extra mass we have, that means that's extra force being put into our joints. So if someone is, say, 30 pounds overweight, we're getting that extra... 15 16 kilos times the force of gravity every single time we do a butterfly and so potentially carrying more mass than what we need could possibly increase the likelihood of be getting injured and this is all hypothetical and there's again there's so many variables into it but i think that's also why our bodies tend to fall into that natural playing weight throughout a season
2: Yeah, I mean, like this is this. By put on the record, I'm actually I'm gonna say that I disagree with your overly nuanced type hypothesis. I'm gonna say that it is. It's. I mean, it's fine. Like, it's. I don't think. I don't think your stance is unreasonable. I just like don't think you can say it. Um, I don't think we have anything to say. We can say it. I don't think there's anything that we can pull from. That's like that extra. If you're, you know, if you're whatever twenty thirty pounds. I think if you've been playing at that weight for a number of years or playing within that weight for a while your body's probably just used to it that's not to say you might feel better at it not that's not to say you you wouldn't feel better at a different weight but I think the the amount of repetitions that goalies do especially as we get older I think there is an like you have such an adaptation period that your body's probably just used to that um and I don't think we would expect to see any more injuries in heavier goalies than lighter goalies. I just don't think we we when we look at that we would find much. So, yeah. Especially because the, the the variability within that range is so small. Like I don't have the numbers put up to me. Um and now that Ryan Miller's no longer in the league, we don't have an 150 pound goalie in the league as far as I know. But I'd imagine that most goalies are probably within 30 pounds of each other. And if you adjust that for height, so if you take the weight by height, I bet you have a really small range across the NHL. And we could have looked this up. That's on me. I didn't want to do the math on 90 goalies today. Um So I just, that's something to keep in mind. I think that we can say that you might feel better being leaner in general. Like, I don't think it's wrong to say that getting up and down is probably feels easier if you're lighter, but I don't think we can say that you're going to be putting more difficulty on your body as a injury construct if you're, if you're a little bit heavier. I'm I'm super comfortable saying from a performance perspective, it might be better to be a little bit leaner overall, just because you're moving less mass
1: around. But from an injury perspective,
2: I'm not going to agree with you. So, there's our first
1: yeah. disagreement. Yeah, no, and the thing is, we can't. We'd have to have such. We'd have to have a longitudinal study throughout so many athletes means- to to prove it. But so I I came I had this hypothesis back when I like I played pro. When I looked at different goalies through organizations that were consistently getting injured tended to have excess body fat and so that's kind of where I came up with that hypothesis again it's just a hypothesis but then that also ties into is it possible that they're not taking their training and diet as seriously is it the extra what's, mass? what's
2: the organization no.
1: doing yeah, yeah. right like, so we don't know us. and so those are definitely things that I've noticed in Uh, And many goalies throughout organizations the ones and so that's that's purely anecdotal but there is there although you you can disagree with me that that's the stance but there is going to be extra force put on the joint when we increase mass no matter what
2: yeah but like I don't know how much again I don't know how much that matters like it's just it's so it's so much less when we already think of things right like um, this is going to be I'm going to butcher these numbers but Going upstairs is what three times body mass running six times body mass impact on your joints. Like I think the multiplier is already so high. Aggressively stopping as a goalie, like I think if, in your example of changing directions, right? Mm-hmm. So your butterfly sliding, you need to catch your edge and ch- and change directions. I think the force multiplier of body weight to we we'll, we'll call it on the hip is probably already so high that. You know what I mean? Like the extra twenty pounds is small relative if it's a nine times body weight difference, right? Like, yes, it's going to be more for sure, but like it's already a ton of force, right? Like, is there is there just like a threshold? And we also, to, we
1: don't I we don't know what is that threshold, uh, and
2: are we don't I mean, we don't know anything?
1: Yeah, like what <laughs> at what point are you exceeding it? But then it comes to that argument it would be like if you had improved body composition, maybe you have a little more lean body mass to be able to. Support that that amount of force that's going through your joint over the long yeah I, over twenty mil like a th- almost a million butterflies or whatever you put in over the course of Oof. like ten years ugh that sounds terrible <laughs>
2: uh, uh, I don't I just like this sounds awful I don't think you just I'm just saying like I don't think that even I think you don't even need to to even look at that angle especially on a performance lens like I think right away I think if you're a serious hockey goalie I think if your goal is to play in university, high level, junior, win a state championship for your high school. Whatever your goal is, I think it's safe to say that taking your training seriously, including diet, including fitness training, including your sleep and your recovery, I I just like don't think we need to even dive into the necessity around the injury talk. I think it can just be like, there's so much demonstrable proof. There's so much. There's such a good line of reasoning to be a better athlete and be a better performer by taking all those things seriously. That I think the injury thing just might not matter because of the the rate of weird injuries that happen in hockey already, right? Like um, the amount of random concussions a goalie has, like that just shows up. The amount of yeah. times we talked about high ankle sprains a few weeks ago, right? Like I that some there's so many there's so many injuries like that in hockey, in football, um, a lot of contact sports where stuff is just unpreventably just a, a consequence of things happening that I think we can take on this discussion of body composition, we can just leave it in the performance lens. As much as us as rehab people want to to be a rehab thing, it's like Mm. when I started looking at training load, I wanted training load to be this great injury thing. And it just probably isn't. right? So if it's not training load, that's injury. um, It's probably not body composition. It's probably just a combination of absolutely everything. And any little thing we do probably isn't enough unless we were also changing everything. So my final stance is just like yes, you having more muscle is good, being stronger, being able to produce force is good. For each individual person, there's probably a limit where you feel worse. Like my weight fluctuated. I know that when I was playing, I felt better when I was about 175 pounds. Um, But in the off season when I was training a lot, I know I'd get up to the 185, 190 range, and when I was skating, it would be harder right I, at that point what I wasn't even, even though I felt stronger and I felt like my pushes were harder I was tired faster that's just how I felt right and yeah. I know that when you were playing you messed around with where you wanted your playing weight to be a lot like you're a naturally very lean person um but even then you were like you were really aware of what you wanted your playing weight to be and I don't think yeah injury was the number one reason you were ever doing it I think it was performance out, over.
1: It, it would, yeah and I think that that is true and so ultimately the performance the performance benefits of improved body composition definitely outweigh the possible risk of injury uh you know for my playing weight i was comfortable at 185 6364 185 my summer weight got up to about 195 ish and then immediately dropped 10 pounds as soon as training camp would start and then i'd sit sit there the rest of the season but yeah how much better you're going to play and perform and feel and recover in terms of just having improved body composition you're right because the variables, at the amount of force, and I mean that's some. It's definitely not. It's there. It's not, no, it matters. It's not. There, like, but at what? Degree, it's there. Is it there? We can't. We right. can't say for certain. And so it's actually like it's so hypothetical. That's not really. It's not worth us discussing unless someone put in the time and effort to study it over the course of like two or three seasons. Which is I wish that was that Tobias Warner's Swedish study. It would have been cool if that would have been something that they equated because they that's probably one of the best long, better longitudinal studies over the course of a season through what three levels of pro including women's pro yeah oh, it's just like it's the best it's their lab
2: and his, his work is just the best goalie research you can find period yeah. um they're excellent over there so maybe we'll link those in the in the show notes here but if you're a goalie listening to this show and you haven't read all of the papers by tobias Werner and
1: uh in that group over in sweden you're well, you know we what should. we can do, though. You know what we can do because you know we're the scientists. We recap our... of those. Yeah, as I say, let's we should do it. Or, uh, we can recap on a pod and and discuss what what they find, what they studied, limitations. Because that's our job to interpret it for for people. Because we're the ones that spent the time, money, and effort to be be nerds, uh, and so yeah. we're the ones to help. We're gonna do the jocks' homework for them. <laughs> yeah, but I think like I think we wrap this up. I think like, the yeah. the clear thing. Well, from, so I
2: think a few things. So the first one. The hockey science is like, we're still in our, we're still babies. Like hockey is still a, you know, we're still the fourth sport, major fourth major sport in North America, um, in Europe, in countries where hockey might be more serious, there's just, there's just less people that are doing it. So, you know, there's still lots of room to grow in in the realm of hockey research. So I think from even the body composition research, it's hard to say. Like mm-hmm. it probably is people who are probably in better physical shape, more muscle lean mass, probably better at fitness stuff probably have the potential to be more powerful on the ice if you you know have good genetics on top of that but yeah i think if we dive it in further than that i think that's all we need to know is you need to find the from a, a physical weight perspective a mass perspective you need to find the weight that you're comfortable playing at that you feel the best at and that is some trial and error especially as you're growing up if it's younger goalies listening to your coaches who coach younger goalies that's just going to change a lot as you grow mm-hmm. but i think The other second side of things is that you just you need to take yourself and your training seriously if you want to be the best performer that you can be right uh and and that at the end of the day body composition is a reflection of that um gaining muscle and and gaining lean mass is a product of taking your training seriously taking your nutrition seriously and taking your recovery seriously and if you're doing those three things um hopefully you also have some good genetics too and and then like you you might be less likely to get injured i don't know yeah but yeah definitely get yourself in a better situation to perform
1: yeah you summarized it well that but it goes again and then we're just going to finish that last thought is we've said this before where everyone gets obsessed with injury prevention um i know that we definitely used to uh as we have professionals it's our job to help recover those that are already injured and try to prevent it or reduce the likelihood but you can't and so it's better to have a performance focus because there's a lot more things that you can control in that sense and then let the likelihood of injury ships kind of fall where they lie because you're checking off all the performance boxes as you train and try to be the best athlete in the best school that you can be
2: yeah and like i want to and just so people fully understand that line of thought like yes no one wants to get hurt we don't want anyone to get hurt either but it's like if you're taking off the boxes of the nutrition, of sleep, of your recovery, how you're feeling, your training during games and practices, those buckets that you're filling up for your performance are the same buckets that we would try to control if we were only looking at an injury lens. Yeah, right. Like there's so much overlap there that I think um, there's no specific exercise that's going to prevent you from injuries. There's no three tricks. Um, to make sure your 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 groin muscles are bulletproof, um, we just it's just not that simple. Stuff is too complicated, and yeah. sometimes there is just an element of bad luck. So at the end of the day, hit those buckets, hit that training, hit that recovery, hit that nutrition, and get, definitely get that sleep. Yeah, um, and if you're doing that,
1: you're you're in a good place. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening to the Goalie Science podcast presented by Resilient Hockey. Uh, leave us a comment uh, on Instagram, YouTube. Uh, leave us a review uh, whether that you're listening on i iTunes or Spotify. Is it Apple, podcasts? Apple Podcasts? Whatever podcast, whatever podcast you listen hold to, pod, it, does, it does help. Uh, off season's coming up, so uh, share it. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, let us know. And uh, if you have any ideas for things that you'd like us to cover, don't uh, don't hesitate to message us, and we'd love to talk about them. Well, Ben, Jamie. Until next time, Cal. So next week.
0: Hold up.